Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. Although <sighs> that was a, we wanted that was a proper this, opening, like you just said hello, like a well, I was real Brit folk. No, I'm just depressed, man. I mean, we're on our thirtieth episode, and it's kind of a milestone. And we also lost three nil. So, do you see the? <laughs> Oh my God! Coincidence. We also won three 0 earlier in the in the week, though. So I mean, that three zero—that's a recurring theme, I guess, this week. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's interesting. I didn't my, notice that until just right now. My 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 little club team that I coach. Uh, we went zero and three this weekend too. <laughs> so they they just they just keep on coming. Man, I wonder how, when else that's gonna come up this week. Um. Yeah, I we don't got, know. We got uh, three transfers this week. Yeah, we well, did I get mean, three I transfers. Mean this, I mean this window. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's always a – I mean, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that a little later. But uh, let's start with this whole Newcastle business um, because I honestly don't want to spend too much time on it because after the match was over, I – was quickly humbled by the Bournemouth performance today and all my game notes from Newcastle I completely scrapped because they were super optimistic and enthusiastic about how our season could possibly change <laughs> yep and uh, I mean don't you think we should like at least have a part of this episode be um a little bit uplifted I mean we deserve it hey I mean uh, look at the script man I have three bullet points <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, this for is probably, Newcastle. This is so probably, there you go. This actually this is definitely the shortest uh script like bullet points you've ever had for a game recap. Yeah, because, you know, I mean it is what it is. Newcastle's kind of a pub side at this point in time. And uh you know, I guess that's all there is to kind of say. I mean, I I, I want to talk a I mean, first we have to give the starting lineup. Yeah. So, uh Willie Caballero and goal um who, by the way, I want to talk about because I'm actually kind of impressed by him. Um, Gary Cahill, Christensen, and Rudiger in the back. Um, we had Alonso and Zappa Costa as our wingbacks. Victor Moses getting a little rest. Uh, Kante, Drinkwater in the middle. Um, and we had Batshuayi, Pedro, and Hazard up top. So um, let's talk about Michi first. Um, Borussia Dortmund's Michi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bagged a brace. So like, this was his last game as a Chelsea player, uh, at least for this season. And, uh, he went out on kind of a high note. It was a solid performance on his part. Um, but interestingly enough, the two goals he did bag were, um, actually equaled the same amount of goals that Murata and Hazard scored at 12. So they, that's, all three of them have 12 apiece on that's the That's throughout uh, all competitions, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. throughout all competitions. Um, granted, you know, don't look into it too much because most of his goals were against lower league sides or crap sides. So, you know, maybe maybe a little sense of a flat track flat track bully in there. But uh, I mean, you know, 12, 12 goals is nothing to scoff about. I mean, that that that, that it's a that's a really good number. I mean, especially no, when, no, when. It, 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 yeah, when the other people, two other people who uh, can match that are Hazard and Morata, who are uh, supposedly our two other two best players. I mean, it is. I think um, let's just just going into his performance because you know this was the last time this season that we saw him, as you said, and 
I had a real love hate relationship with him this season. Um, and I'm uh, honestly, I'm a little sad to see him go. And I think that um, Antonio Conte might feel a little bit the same way as me. Um, you know, like he, he, he had, he had a lot of nice things to say about him after this match. Um, and I think that this, this performance, um, you know, obviously we went out and we got Giroud. We'll talk about that later, but I mean, he's not a, he's not a future, um, you know, he's not, he's not the deal of our future. He's supposed to sal help us uh, salvage this season and next season, but you know, Mishi being so young and, you know, being so raw, I think that, um, that just by this by this performance and you know how he's played in other games this season, I think uh, he's worthy of keeping um, at the club. Uh, yeah, and and you know what? That's what I thought after this match too. Like we as a club cannot afford to only have two strikers. That was an issue for us last year, and it's an issue for us this year. I mean, one of them goes down um, with an injury, a long-term injury. Uh, one of them fall out falls out of favor with the manager, which is what we. You know, what we have been seeing with Michi, um, you know, one of them goes through a little goal scoring drought. One of them needs to be rotated. It just doesn't make sense to only have two strikers on the pitch. I but mean, look today, we had zero strikers play today. No, I, I, you know what? We did have uh, Callum Hudson, Adoy oh, come up yeah, off yeah, the bench, mm -hmm. which is always nice. That's right. But I am kind of seeing this little transition um, in Antonio Conte's philosophy. Like, I know when he did come into the club, a lot of speculation was surrounding our youth team and how he likes to give the youth team or, or the youth players chances most famously Paul Pogba mm -hmm. um and you know I was very enthusiastic about that aspect when we first hired him because we have one of the best youth academies in Europe and uh I think I think we're finally starting to see the fruits of that now um I think he trusts Ethan Ampadu completely he's always in our match day squads now he's a regular um, and now Callum Hudson Odoi getting a couple uh, a couple caps. So I mean, he did make his FA Cup and Premier League debut in the same week. And to be honest, he he looked the part. Like he he looks pacey. He looks quick. He looks he looks like he's a handful for defenders. So you know, I don't think Antonio Conte has this whole issue with playing the youth. I just think that they have to be of a certain caliber, and he has to be proven, or they have to prove themselves on the training pitch more so than, you know, um, anywhere else. And, and I think we're starting to see that finally come into fruition. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a long problem. It's been a, uh, sorry, a, a problem that we've had for a while of, uh, you know, having a lot of good youth players and, you know, either loaning them out or, you know, when we keep them, we don't give them enough playing time for the, to really see them like come into fruition. But, um, I, I do like I do like this change in uh, in philosophy for we see we're seeing from Antonio Conte. Yeah, and I, you know I don't just to add one more point. I don't know if it's a change of philosophy in Conte or if it's just a change in philosophy of the board in general because we haven't been going out and purchasing top notch players. We have been going out and purchasing these young guys. So I think you know uh, I I think because of that it allows us to have a slower build um in terms of in terms of creating a top quality squad and i think you know going out and buying guys like Ross Barkley, Bakayoko, um Zappacosta to an extent, Emerson Palmieri now. 
uh, Michi Batshuayi two summers ago. All these guys, Andreas Christensen coming back from loan, Rudiger. I mean, you name it. Everyone we've purchased has been pretty young, um, except for Olivier Giroud, obviously. But I think the club definitely thinks that we can't compete with the likes of Manchester City. We can't go out and spend five hundred, uh, spend half a billion dollars um, in one season, and, and, and it's just not feasible. And it's not, you know, it it doesn't make sense. So. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to go out and compete every single year in the Premier League. I, I don't think that's realistic, especially at this point in time when you got clubs like Man United and Man City spending money left and right. But yeah, I, I think it has a little bit to do with both the board and with Antonio Conte, a little shift in philosophy. Hey, let's bring up our youth team. We have fantastic talent. Um, we're one of the best youth systems in Europe. So why not bring these kids through and see who could cut it and who can't? And then we could kind of just trim the fat from there. And I think Ampadu and, and, and Callum Hudson-Odoi are definitely two guys that are going to be there for a while. Um, and we're already kind of seeing Andreas Christensen break into the squad now. And, and you know, he's made that center half position his. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, guys like Kurt Zuma or Ruben Loftus-Cheek or Tammy Abraham can't come back and make the same impact? Um, it just, it just, it just gives me hope for the future. Uh, you know, Chelsea fans always go up in arms about us not giving the youth a chance. And at this, on the same token, you can't give the youth a chance and expect to win trophies at the same time. It just doesn't work like that. Um, so I think we're, I think we're, you know, using the youth to the best of our ability by embedding them in the first team while building a long-term plan for a really, really talented squad in the future. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking about giving our youth a chance, I think that uh, I mean, we're, we're we don't you don't you don't think you have anything else to say about this game, right? No, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. So, Three 0 Newcastle's a pub side. Yeah, and I mean, just one last Marcos Alonso's goal was his free kick was really it was long it was long needed. I mean, he hasn't had one like that in a while, and and I think we we said Mishu scored uh, one goal, but he he ended up scoring two actually. Um, but I mean, back to giving our youth a chance. I think that served as a great uh, transition to this next match because uh, Nathan Ake, <laughs> that's someone we could have given a chance to, but he ended up uh, biting us in the ass a little bit today, right? Yeah, we have this weird habit of our former players scoring goals on us. Um, but you know what? I, and I know I kind of saved it till the final thoughts in the script, but fair play to Bournemouth, man. Mm-hmm. The, Eddie Howe always manages to give give us a run for our money. I mean, I remember the first time we ever played Bournemouth and Glenn Murray scored the winner um, at the bridge as well, if I'm not mistaken. You know, they're a good side. And, and the thing I like about them and the thing that I think is respectable is they're not one of those um, mid to lower table Premier League sides that just put two banks of four and play basic four four two and sit behind the ball the whole half and maybe take one or two shots on target. They had a proper go at us today. Yeah, they and were yeah, they, they were really organized. Like they were way more organized than we looked. Yeah, yeah, incredibly organized. And I think I think Eddie Howe is actually one of the most underrated managers in Europe at the moment. Like I really think that. I mean, who am I to speak for the English national team? But I think that he's a guy that the English national team could look at later on down the line. He has a bunch of young English talent on his team, and he's and he's overachieving with a with a squad that shouldn't be doing as well as they are. Do you think that um, 
our previous matchup in the Carabao Cup when uh, Murata scored right after Dan Gosling's 90th minute. Do um, you think that had anything to play in uh, how Bournemouth came out today? 100%. Stuff like that doesn't doesn't leave your mind yeah, you as, that. as a footballer. No, it just doesn't. You know, um, someone nets a 90th minute winner. Um, you want to go into the next match against them and punch them in the mouth. And that's exactly what Bournemouth did. They mm-hmm. frustrated us. And unfortunately, we did have good service out wide. Zapacosa sprayed a couple really nice balls in the box, but we just had no striker. Yeah, I mean, oh, poor Eden Hazard was, was pretty much up there by himself and all uh, five... Five nine, five ten of him just couldn't get up enough to you know head the balls I think in. He's like I think he's like five six. <laughs> I think I think you might be right. Um, so let's just go through this lineup real quick. Um, Thibaut Courtois returned to goal, and uh, we saw back three, a brief back three of Aspi, um, Christensen, and Cahill, um, with Christensen having to be taken out. Um, uh, I forget what minute it was, but due to injury. Um, and then we had Zapacosta, Angolo Conte, Bakayoko, uh, uh, Ross Barkley playing the 10, and uh, Marcos Alonso is the other wing back. And um, we had Pedro and Hazard up top. Um, so um, it looked, I mean, you could, you could call it a 3-5-2, you could call it a 3-4-2-1. I mean, um, depending on how you, how, you know, it's it switched up, I feel like, like throughout the course of the game. But, um, Zach, just can you break down a little bit on just like what happened? Um, I think I, I can't really talk about the match without going on a rant. So, like, basically, we 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 lack options. Um, we had, you know, two options in a number 10 role today. Um, because we were restricted to a 3-5-2 because William was out, so there's no way we could play two wingers. Charlie Mosandas went on loan to Celtic for whatever reason. I have no idea. But we had two number 10s to choose from in Cesc Fabregas, who's just coming back from injury, and Ross Barkley, who's still not match fit. Um, Like I said, we had no other choice but to play 3-5-2 without a natural striker, so we had Hazard and Pedro up top, and they did all they could. I mean, they had four shots apiece. Um, but besides that, they really had no impact on the game. Um, we couldn't physically impose ourselves on Bournemouth. It's that simple. And to make things worse, we had a very, very poor Bakayoko performance, Oh yeah. um, which I think is long overdue because we haven't really seen him put a consistent streak of matches together. And I just don't think it's going to happen this season. I think, I think our squad is too thin and I think, uh, you know, I think our manager situation is still up in the air. I just don't see him putting in um five six seven consistent matches in a row you know maybe two or three like he just did but yeah and it's, a, it's, he, a, it's a shame because last week he did actually put in a lot of, a couple uh, stringing a couple of good matches in a row but um obviously did not carry over to this match um yeah he, no he just did and it did and, and, he, and, and when i say like he's not going to do that this season it's because we don't have a consistent formation i mean we're always flip-flopping from this three five two to three four three in a 3-4-3, that's all we played last week, and he looked amazing. He mm-hmm. looked like a completely different player. He just can't play in a 3-5-2. And something else I'm noticing is I'm getting worried about N'Golo Conte. I'm not worried about his form. I'm worried about his fatigue. He he literally gets selected every single match. He very rarely gets subbed out. 99% of the time he plays the full 90 minutes. He looks knackered. Like He just looks like he's exhausted. 
And, you know, for someone that looked so um, invincible last season, he's looking very mortal this season. And it's because of, you know, our extra games and the fact that Conte doesn't trust, you know, whatever other options we have in there. Um, Marcus Alonso looks a little tired to me. Um, and I, you know, I just think a 3-4-3 would have been better. It honestly would have been better at home. Um, a 3-4-3 would have been ideal, but we don't have the personnel. Willian yeah. is out. And we failed to bring in another fair flair player while letting Charlie Musanda go out on loan. Yeah, it just I was gonna it just say baffles that. me. I think Musanda would keeping him along would have you know would have fit our fit that three four three really well today. This would have been the perfect game for Musanda too, because you know you do need a one on one player who could operate in tight spaces. You know, in a game where Bournemouth made you know our our final third or their final third really compact. And Masanda would have been really good if we could have isolated him on one side and have Hazard wreak havoc on the other, or Pedro wreak havoc on the other, and you know we could just go to work that way. But and uh, for, for you know, some reason, if if that he goes out on loan, and if that's not frustrating enough, um, you know to make things worse, Andreas Christensen goes down, and this was in the 28th minute. Um, and they brought in Rudiger. Um. How big of a loss do you think this is if Christensen has to miss uh, some additional time? Um, I think we saw a glimpse of it today. The second he went out, we were immediately under pressure. Um, I think people, and I know that you know he's 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 very respected in the footballing world, and I know a lot of people have high standards for him, but. We just simply do not talk about him enough. He is definitely our unsung hero. And I felt like last year it was definitely Azpilicueta. And this year it's it's completely Andreas Christensen. He operates so under the radar. He very rarely makes mistakes. He never loses the ball. He's always in the right positions. And when he went down, it just – it all just kind of turned to shit. You know, I thought Cahill looked a little flustered in the middle. Um, yeah, that's that, that was a weird – thing to see uh rudiger when uh antonio conte put rudiger on the left side cahill moved to the middle um do you think that cahill can fill that squad i mean that spot yeah i think he could but you know the thing is is (sighs) i love gary cahill and i and i always defend him but today he just did not look up to it for whatever reason you know and and the second we shifted him to the middle, I don't know if it was a lack of game time in the middle, which is actually what I'm trying to pen. You know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, but because he's had a how, couple matches in the middle, but I mean, it's, it's it's pretty rare. Yeah, and and all the matches that he played in the middle were against shitty sides. Mm-hmm. You know, teams that didn't really pressure him. I think he played up the middle against Huddersfield. I want to say he did the same against Brighton, who didn't threaten us at all. I could be mistaking, but then you know. A couple of cup matches here and there, but I think he could play up the middle. I just think it's a lack of game time there. And then obviously Rudiger coming in, who didn't have the greatest game either. Um, I thought Cahill was a lot poorer than Rudiger. Um, but yeah, maybe not being used to having Rudiger on one side and Aspie on the other or vice versa. I, I, I don't know. And it, it's honestly such a mystery that we have such quality center backs, but they are so prone to making the simplest mistakes at times. It's it's frustrating, but it's it's nothing that I'm gonna write off Gary Cahill for. Like right. no way. I, I I love that guy to the moon and back. You know, it's 
I, I can't sing his praises enough. I just what I found interesting was that David Luiz wasn't in the what wasn't on the bench, especially with all the Arsenal rumors going around. You know, because American time, um, this game kicked off about 12 p.m. in the afternoon, and um, you know there was still about a couple hours of the of the British transfer window still open, and uh, David Luiz rumors are going around, and you know we're all thinking, oh great, you know he's uh, he's gone, that's mm-hmm. it, he's off. So I, I thought that was interesting more than anything. But, uh, you know, going back to Cahill, I trust him up the middle. Why not? Yeah, I think I think Bournemouth was a little bit too pacey um, of a side to have him play in the middle. Um, what, what, uh, Stanislas, that's his yeah, name, right? Junior, he, Stan, Junior Stanislas. I mean, he ripped us to shreds. Yeah, I mean, he, he played... He played one of his best matches. He scored a really nice goal as well. Um, Wilson as well. Um, I think they were just they're just Cahill's kryptonite. And um, you know, I, I'm I am actually pretty happy that David Luis is was not sent out um, on loan. I mean, or transferred out, especially to Arsenal. I mean, we do have a tendency to help out our rivals for some reason, but um, I'm just really happy that didn't work out this time. Um, but you know, someone we brought in this transfer window who uh, I had a lot of high hopes for, and you know, maybe he's not match fit. But today he did not have a good game, and that's a uh, Ross Barkley. Um, he he still he still looks unfit. Um, you know, he was deployed as the ten, and you know that is that is maybe his his best position. Um, but I mean, how do you how do you think he looked? Like I mean, given that he wasn't completely match fit, as I just mentioned. I, I, that's another player I give the benefit of the doubt to, and I and I alluded to it earlier. You know, our only choice is to play three five two just based on personnel, and w- playing a three five two, you have to have a number ten. Um, there's no way we're going to play three defensive mids against Bournemouth, right? So he had an unfit Ross Barkley and an unfit Cesc Fabregas, or Cesc Fabregas who's fit but not supposed or just got back into the squad. So. You know, it was kind of a lose, uh, lose-lose situation for, for us um, in that sense. But I thought he looked solid at times. Personally, I noticed how quickly um, he gets the ball out from under his feet and connects a pass. He looks very assured of himself um, when we're in possession. Um, he makes some, some pretty solid late runs into the box. Actually, he was the only guy today who made any runs into the box, um, specifically in the first half. But... I think he's going to come good eventually, and, and and I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like He's going to be a good player for Chelsea, and if he's not, look at the price we paid for him. You know, Look at the transfer fee, $25 million for uh, a 24, 25-year-old English midfielder who has basically all the potential that you could ask for. If it doesn't work out in today's transfer window, if the inflation continues, we could sell this guy on for a profit, even if he doesn't play another game for us. And I think it was especially weird um, seeing Ross Barkley get the start when um, you know, we have another guy we just brought in this season, Dr- Danny Drinkwater, um, who is fit, but I don't know if he uh, has the trust from Antonio Conte. I mean, after the way he's been playing this season, what do you think? He's an interesting one because when he had originally came into the squad, he was expressing himself um, on the pitch spraying passes, long balls, linking up play, um, just kind of roaming around the midfield. And lately when Conte has been deploying him, he looks a little more shackled. 
Um, we talked about Bakioko being shackled by Conte in a 3-4-3 um, and it working to Bakioko's advantage, but I think it's the opposite for Danny Drinkwater. Um, Danny Drinkwater hasn't been playing to his strengths, and he hasn't been deployed to play in his strengths. He's a long ball passer. Mm-hmm. Um, he could thread a needle. You know, he he could play those 50, 60 yard clipped balls over the top. He could play the diagonal ball. He could he could link up the play between the midfield, the defense, and the strikers. You know, he just kind of brings everything together. He, he's an English Cesc Fabregas. Um, but a little less creative, if you will, right? Like he's a poor man's English Cesc Fabregas. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But he has the same qualities in that sense where like, you know, if you want to use him to the best of his abilities, you just kind of let him do whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he wants to drop off, you let him drop off. If he wants to push up, you let him push up. Um, but I just don't think that Conte trusts him completely yet. I, I think it's blatantly obvious. You know, there's been times where – you know, Bakioko hasn't looked at his best, and Conte opted to stay with Bakioko rather than go with Drinkwater. Um, it's, I, and I, you know, when the, when the transfer actually happened, I guess we all kind of knew that Drinkwater wasn't a Conte purchase to begin with. Um, you know, just because he he's not cut from the cloth that Conte likes. You know, Conte likes typically a bigger build in the midfield, um, someone a little bit more defensive minded. Um, that's not, you know, dissing Danny Drinkwater in any way because he is a solid defender, but I just don't think he's in favor. You know, it's, it, it's unfortunate because I do think he has something to offer the squad, you know? Yeah. I think only time will tell, um, whether Antonio Conte regains his trust in him and starts, uh, deploying him more in, in these types of matches, because I think he would have benefited a lot. I mean, he would have contributed a lot to this game and, you know, I mean, we didn't, I don't think our side looked particularly poor. I mean, we did have well, the 20, 21 sh- uh, shot attempts. Um, on, granted, only five of them were on target, but, you know, um, five of them were blocked. And that, I mean, that you already mentioned it before, but Bournemouth's back line, they were, they were really uh, organized and, I mean, they played a hell of a match. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think total shots is the tail of the tape for this match because, I mean, I mean, you said it, 20-some shots and only five on target. That just means that we're taking quick snapshots and, and desperate chances here and there. Like, I mean, the first one that comes to my to, to my head is uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi's shot. You know, he received the ball, got it out from under his feet, and just kind of had a quick snapshot straight to Asmir Begovic. Mm-hmm. Like, those aren't – those are half chances for me. They they aren't – they aren't uh, clear-cut opportunities, and that's where I think stats could kind of deceive because – in this game, Bournemouth were the better team by a country mile. And if you take someone that doesn't even know football or English football for that in that sense and and you let them watch this game, they're going to think Bournemouth is the better side than us. <laughs> Seriously. I, it, I was convinced for a little bit too watching that game that they were. Um, but you mentioned Hudson-Odoi. I mean, so great to see him uh, play extended minutes. He was uh, subbed in at the 65th minute. And... Um, it's a sh- I think it's a shame that he didn't he didn't start the match because um if we were able to play if we were able to play at a three four three with him playing as a a striker I think we would have scored he would have scored maybe two goals in the beginning because there was just um, two or three chances that were created by both uh, Marcos Alonso and Zapacosta that if we had a bigger striker or just any big body in 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 the box. We would have scored, but poor Eden Hazard, like I said, um, just wasn't big enough to get to them. But 
I mean, I, I, I'm after watching the first half, I'm just I was completely shocked that they came out and they they netted three goals against us and we weren't able to score any. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to be fair, Begovic did make a couple decent saves, um, a couple point blank saves, but. I mean, going into this match, like, we know that Nathan Ake is a good defender. Um, We know that Asmir Begovic is a solid goalkeeper, and we know that Eddie Howe is going to go for the jugular. Like, he does not back off. He refuses to play defensive, and, you know, he plays very progressive uh, attacking football, and I guess we kind of got what was coming to us. I mean, the fact that the midfield didn't provide any cover or support um, in front of our back line was pathetic. Um, Bakioko was everywhere, you know, he, he didn't, and, and I mean that in the worst way, you know, he, he's, he's jumping in late to challenges. He's mistiming through balls and, you know, losing possession in the middle of the pitch and only passing sideways. And it was just a disaster from the get go in the second half. And, you know, I think if we netted one in the first half, it would have been a little bit different, but. To be fair, we didn't have a natural striker, and, and, and what drives me mad is the fact that we went out and purchased and pursued a striker for the whole month of January and failed to get one until the very last day when it was too late to register him for this match, um, especially knowing that Batshuayi is not going to get picked by Conte um, and knowing that Alvaro Morata is still out with a long-term injury, so... Yeah, Why poor, did we poor wait managing so by our board. Definitely poor managing by our board. It really was because imagine if we did have Giroud in this game. All those crosses that came in the box, that guy's a pure poacher. Like, like, like he scores goals for a living. And, you know, he easily could have netted one or two. And I even sent you that text in the middle of the game. I'm like, oh, my God. If we had Giroud, it would have been a completely different match. It really would have. Yeah, I think I think the worst thing that came out of this match um, was – I got a I got a really good laugh out of um, Arsenal losing to Swansea, but um, this definitely ruined that whole vibe. We didn't we weren't a- even able to net a goal. At least they were able to score one against Swansea, yeah. and um, that definitely took all the fun out of uh, making fun of my Arsenal fan friends. But um, you know what? I at the end of the day, it's just another match, and uh, you know we got to get back to it for the next one. And I think. Uh, once we have a full healthy squad, because we're still we're still depleted right now. I mean, incredibly you know, depleted. And, yeah. And you know that was a that was an issue that we talked about. But um, I mean, do you have any final thoughts on this match? Um, no. I I I just you know I said it I said it earlier. I think Bournemouth definitely outplayed us, and they deserved all three points, and they deserved all three goals as well. Um, congrats to Nathan Aki for scoring against us. Yeah. You know, All respect. At, at his boyhood club, I was a little, I, I was a little salty that he celebrated at first, but then you know, once he kind of came back down to life, he he mellowed out his celebration and realized, oh shit, you yeah. Know? But 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 respect to him, and no, there's no hard feelings there at all. You know, I, I wish him the best, and clearly, you know, he's he's living up to his potential there at Bournemouth, having an awesome season. Yeah. So uh, going back to us being a little bit thin at the moment, um, hope. The hopes were that this transfer window would help uh, bolster our side a little bit more, and um, that we did a little bit more. I think that's the the only word I can really use. Um, so, 
let's let's just uh, get into the transfer business because you know last day of the transfer window is always a big day. Um, so we got we finalized uh, one deal that we had known about um, for a while and finally got Olivier Giroud as well. Um, so Olivier Giroud. This was a this was an interesting scenario. Um, it was like a trifecta kind of deal between us and Dortmund and Arsenal, and it, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a it was kind of like a Mexican standoff for a little bit, you know. It was like, oh well, um, I'm not going to give up Giroud if uh, you know, or no, uh, Dortmund was more like we're not going to give uh, Alba if we don't get uh, Mishi. It's like, oh okay, well. You know, we give Mishi over and it seemed like for a little bit that Arsenal was going to back out and we had just helped them out and we weren't going to get Giroud. But I, mean, I knew deep down inside that we were going to get him. So, um, yeah, and it was and it was actually funny because Dortmund refused to pay Mishi's loan fee. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea was like, well, we're not going to loan him unless Arsenal pays the loan fee. <laughs> and they did. And Arsenal was like, no way at first. And then, you know, a couple days later. Oh, well, the deal's still not happening until you pay the fucking loan fee. Mm-hmm. So it it was just it was just a mess, man. I think it, it was, was a, it was a, mess. I think it was a really interesting deal that just just for the sheer business side of soccer, like you can just see that deal happening. I thought it was great. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Giroud. So, um, eighteen million uh, pound transfer with bonuses. Um, he's thirty one years old. Um, one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful players in all the Premier League. I mean, um, just uh, before we get into his soccer ability, how much good looking is our team now with him? Our team is so much better looking. I mean, look, we got Morata up top. We got Giroud as his backup. Fabregas um, behind him. Fabregas is Fabregas is decent looking. You know, um, I mean, he grabbed Aspil- his hair a little Aspilicueta bit. has a has a nice little smile there. Marcus you know. Alonso. Marcus Alonso's a stud. Well, I mean, look at us, man. We're, we're beautiful. We're, we're, we're a beautiful team, and it's it's actually funny. Our Arsenal friend was texting us, and he was like, "You know, we have the best looking team in the Premier League." I'm like, "No, you don't. You got rid of your most beautiful player, and you brought in Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. So <laughs> you're probably one of the ugliest teams now. Yeah. And you re-signed Ozil. Yeah, that's definitely not helping out your cause. Um, so this back to uh. Olivier Giroud and his his uh the actual deal. Um, this is for this uh the eighteen million the transfer was for an eighteen month contract. Um, mm-hmm. he's he's had one hundred and eighty uh, Premier League appearances, and in those one hundred eighty appearances, seventy three goals and twenty seven with his head and um, twenty three assists. So, um, what are your thoughts on this transfer? I mean, if you're looking at the numbers. He contributed directly to 96 goals and 180 appearances. So he could he either contributes a goal or an assist every other game. Um, that's nice, huge. Nice math, so, by the way, Zach. That was really nice. You did that really quick. Well, 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 well his numbers don't lie. Um, but but then again, I mean, we've seen him play time and time again. Um, we were beating Arsenal at the bridge last year, 3-0. And then Giroud comes on an extra time and ruins our shutout. And Giroud got subbed on during the FA Cup final and wound up netting the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're just – I think it's solid business. Um, he's a proven Premier League striker. He doesn't mind coming off the bench. He knows that there's going to be someone ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, he can contribute on any given night. Again, he's a pr- uh, proven goal scorer. Very, very similar to Murata 
in the sense that he's he's good at linking up play and bringing his teammates um, into the match. I think he's very underrated with his feet. Um, he does play. He did play at Arsenal, and he was successful at Arsenal because um, they were a very technical side, and he has technical ability, and that's how he was able to cope and and stay in that side so long. Um, but just going back, like what I don't understand is why we didn't pursue him this hard earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we were going after a thirty million Jeko, who would have been a solid signing as well. But a little overpriced, and I feel like if we went for Giroud earlier on in the window, maybe we could have got him for less. Um, but you know, it is what it is, and I think eventually he's going to be he's going to be a solid striker for us, at least for the eighteen months that he's with us. And if he is, um, you know, offer him another contract. Why not? You know, there is one thing that I do kind of prefer this deal over the um, potential Jacko deal, and it's not not just because of the money, but I think it's because um, of his role already with Arsenal. Um, you know, we'd be bringing Jacko in who has been, a, you know, the starting striker for a while now. Um, and I think it would have been a little bit of a messy situation bringing him in. I mean, obviously he would have to give up the starting spot to Murata when he would come back, but still, um, it is a little weird having, you know, a striker of his, uh, caliber, one that we would be spending, you know, what, 30 million euros, you said, um, mm-hmm. just to have them come off our bench and, and play in, in some uh, some small matches. And I think Giroud, um, the past couple seasons, well, this season more especially, has already been established as that rule as um, coming off the bench. And I think that is going to, um, I think that's going to help. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it, I kind of prefer that to what Njeko brought. Yeah, I think it's a good point because, you know, Dzeko did want guarantees over his playing time when he was negotiating. At least that's what all the reports were pointing to. Mm-hmm. And and I think that largely in part had to do with um, with the deal collapsing. Um, you know, Giroud knows his place. He knows that he's not good enough to be a starting striker night in and night out on a, on a you know, top six Premier League team. But... Um, you know, he, he comes into our Chelsea side, a proven striker, and, and and we'll see what happens. I like what he brings to the table. You know, his aerial ability is awesome. His technical ability is awesome. He's he, he's very, very strong. He can hold off defenders, um, and, and and he contributes. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a typical team guy. Um, and not to mention, you know, he is very good looking, right? So I, I, th- I think we did mention that. That's right. Did, did we? Yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. We, we can say it again, though. He's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he's very good looking. Um, um I'm, I think I'm gonna grow a Giroud beard. N- dude, you should. You definitely. I think should. I because I, I can you do could, it. You could pull it off too. Yeah, um, I think I'm gonna go for the Giroud beard. I think if I grow the Giroud beard, it'll turn more into like a LeBron James beard. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't get his hairline too. Um, oh man. So obviously, we, unfortunately, we weren't able to get Jeko, uh, um, but. You know, we were able to deal with Roma to get his uh, teammate Emerson uh, Palmieri. Um, so twenty million from Roma. So we spoke a little bit about him last week. So we can make it quick. Um, what other thoughts do you have on bringing him in? Um, nothing really. I mean, we pretty much covered it all last week. You know, he's a he's a very versatile wing back. He could play higher up the pitch. He could play sit a little bit deeper and play more defensive role. Um, he loves dribbling at defenders and beating players one v one. 
Um, and, and he creates a lot of chances by spraying balls into the box and by dribbling into the penalty area and, and dribbling into dangerous areas. Um, I like what he's, I like what he could bring to the squad. My only concern is that he is coming back from a major injury. And I think it is a little bit of a gamble to go after, uh, a guy who hasn't played in six or seven months, you know, um, I know he says he feels better than ever. Um, obviously a switch to a new club is just going to be, uh, inspiration for him. And I expect him to come into the squad and, and show us what he could do. And there, who's to say that this guy doesn't have, you know, the quality to make a real impact in our team? None of us knew who Marcus Alonso was um, when we first purchased him. And who would have thought that we'd be mentioning him in, in the discussion for one of the best wingbacks in all of Europe? Um, but look at him now. Emerson Palmieri could possibly be another sleeper. And for $20 million, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, for the names that we've listed already, and um, the last uh, player that we got this window, Ross Barkley. I mean, we we've talked about him already. We've seen glimpses of him since he signed, but um, I think at this point the jury's still out on him due to you know his lack of match fitness. Um, before we get into the players that we loaned out, do do you have any you know last thoughts you have on Ross Barkley? Um. Not really. I just want to urge Chelsea fans to give him a fucking chance without yeah. coding him already. Like, it's just very irritating to see all the Twitter fiends. Oh, you know how we are. Brushing we, him off. So We're we're pro- one of the most reactionary fan bases in all of soccer. It's pretty beautiful. I love it, honestly. That just means we have a lot of we have a lot of passion for the squad. Um, I feel differently, man. <laughs> I, I, I actually can't stand it. I just wish fans would just cheer the players on instead of coding them off every week. It's, it's, it's fucking irritating, but uh, anyways, I want to, I, I want to I wanna bring up Michi Batshuayi because I think this is an interesting loan move for him. Yeah. Um, obviously I would have preferred for him to go to a premier league club just to see what he could do when he gets an extended run of games in the premier league. Um, but Hey, Borussia Dortmund is not, you know, a slouch by any means. He's going to be playing with my boy, Christian Pulisic. Nice. So, Maybe we can uh, recruit him a little bit, huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs> hopefully. You know, you know, I, I, I think he's going to go to Bayern or Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it's a good move for him. I, I'm very, very curious to see what he could do there. Um, he's playing with a lot of creative talent, um, and I know Borussia Dortmund hasn't been doing well this season. But if if he could go in in these next six months and uh, and bag, you know eight to 10 goals for them. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that'll develop his game a lot. And I think that'll give him confidence to come back into the Chelsea side next season and play that much better. Um, it's one thing with Batshuayi that I, you know, it's kind of odd is when you play him in small spurts, you know, one game here, one game there, he, he seems to struggle. But when you give him a run of games, like we gave him, uh, we gave him Brighton or no, no, we didn't give him Brighton. We gave him, Newcastle and we gave him uh what other match did we give him a chance in th- that that he contributed in he didn't score it was Brighton yeah yeah Brighton we gave him a chance at Brighton we gave him a chance at Newcastle nicked an assist against Brighton two solid goals against Newcastle he, and, and you know his confidence started you know getting boosted because he's seeing the field more so if he gets an extended run at Dortmund I'm sure he's gonna put the ball in the back of the net because that to be honest that's all he's good for at this point in time but. You know, best wishes to him. Seriously, like I, I love his attitude and I love, I love his personality. I think, I think it's contagious, and you know the fans really love him, even though uh, he causes us a lot of frustration when he's on the pitch. But 
if he does well, they're Who's to say that he can't come back in next season and and, and possibly be a, our second choice striker again? Yeah, you know, and Dortmund not having the strongest year this season, so they can definitely use all the help they can get. Um, so the next player that we we, we loaned out, Charlie Musonda, um, to Celtic. Um, this is a six month loan. Um, he he had a I think he he had his debut today, and I think he had a fantastic debut and. Um, you sent me a highlight pass. I mean, he made an amazing, you know, bit of trickery right there in, in the corner, and uh, you know, gave a little cheeky back heel pass uh, to the to his teammate. Um, I mean, what do you, what what are your thoughts on loaning him out to Celtic and uh, to not another Premier League team? There's only one silver lining for him going to Celtic, and that's the fact that he's going to win a trophy, and he's probably not going <laughs> to lose a match. Yeah, the Scottish league is. This is a joke. It's a, it's a fucking joke, and and it makes absolutely no sense why we would loan him anywhere else, but the top three leagues in Europe, loan him to Germany, somewhere in Germany, loan him somewhere in 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 Italy or somewhere in La Liga. Why loan him to the Scottish league? Um, it's it's baffling. Like like it it's a joke, and not to mention Brendan Rodgers is the coach. Like I know. I know Brendan Rodgers has a good a good reputation when it comes to giving his his lone players time, and that's great and all, but he's not going to be facing top quality opposition every week. He's not going to be facing uh, a minus or B plus center backs or left backs or right backs or whatever it is. He's going to be facing C minuses and C pluses, and it's it's absolutely baffling to me. I was really curious to see what he could have done in the Premier League. Similar to Michi, where if you give him an extended run of games, see what he could do. Um, I don't know if loaning him to to Scotland had anything to do with how lightweight he was, um, because he is he is way too small for the Premier League at this point in time. But give him that chance, you know. I don't. One thing that's irritating to me is this is is this lack of lack of communication between the club and the fans. Give us an ex- give us a reason why you sent him to Celtic. Mm-hmm. If there was no other Premier League teams in for him, fair enough. That's fine. Um that that's just something we have to live with, but all the rumors were pointing to him staying in the Premier League and there was a lot of suitors. And I don't know whether it's I, I I'm pretty sure it's up to him whether he goes to those teams or not. And the fact that the club just kind of didn't force him or push him a little bit harder to go to one of those teams is baffling to me. Um, if a player rejects a loan move, you need to look at him and ask why. And if he says, because I don't want to play on a shitty Premier League team or a bottom half of the table Premier League team, you need to look that kid in the eye and you need to say, hey, if you if you don't play with them, you know, we're going to judge you based on playing in a shittier league. So, you know, when you come back into the squad next year, ta- we're going to take that into consideration. Like, why don't you – I know it's kind of intimidating him in a sense, but they need to do something like that. Like, it, I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. I've been thinking about it all day, and out of all of these transfer rumors and transfer nonsense and Peter Crouch and shithead and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, you name it, this is the most irritating one for me because Charlie Musonda has something about him. And every time we've seen him play and put, and put on a Chelsea shirt and get playing time, he looks like a proper player. Like he looks like he has a little bit of magic in his boots. And the fact that we're setting him to a shit league is just it's it's almost a mockery of his talent. Well, at least at least Celtic is in the uh Europa League, so he'll get a little bit of European play. 
Um, the first leg, they're matched up against Zenit. So, um, I mean, that is a little bit of a better competition than what he's going to be facing in the Scottish League. So, um, we'll see if he can make a run, um, if Celtic can make a run and run in Europa League and what kind of role he can play there. Um, that'll be yeah. fun to see. Um, so, the last player that we loaned out, um, Kennedy, um, to Newcastle, six-month loan. Um He's actually he's one of two players to come into loan to Newcastle. Um, Slomani, the other one, um, he's been a huge disappointment this season um, from Leicester City. Um, you know, Newcastle, of course, with Rafa as their uh, their manager. Do, do you think Rafa's going to be using him? I mean, wh- what, in your opinion, would it constitute as a solid loan spell for him? Look, uh, Rafa's been very vocal, so... For those of you that don't know the Newcastle situation, Mike Ashley, their owner, is actually looking to sell the club and has uh, refused to invest in more players um, before he sells the club because, you know, that's coming straight out of his pocket. Right. Um, and, you know, him and him and Rafa Benitez have been at odds um, ever since Rafa came into – or actually ever since Rafa got promoted. Um, you know, they didn't invest in the summer, at least not enough, and they failed to do so again in January. Um, and you know, I think this signing in large part has to do with Rafa. I think this is Newcastle, uh, Newcastle's poor attempt at pleasing him. Um, but with that being said, I think Kennedy does have the quality to to succeed there. I think Rafa will use him. Um, he, 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 he really appreciates his pacey winger, doesn't he? And, uh, and, and Kennedy does possess, you know, that bit of pace, a nice combination of strength and skill as well. So. Um, I think a you know a solid loan spell for him. I mean, there's 13 games left in the Premier League season. Um, I say if he could nick you know a couple goals and a couple of assists, I'm gonna say three and three. If he could directly contribute to maybe five or six goals, I think that'll constitute a solid loan spell, and that'll definitely uh raise some question marks for him next year um, at the club. And you know, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and Sam, you know this firsthand. Like I love Kennedy. I think. I think he was – I don't think it was necessary to send him out on loan. I think he has something to offer to us. But I just think it's a matter of him getting more playing time in the Premier League more consistently, um, especially you know at his age. It's crucial. Like this is the make it or break it for him to be honest. Um, if, if he doesn't you know make a name for himself and put in positive performances and get a lot of playing time in the next year or two years, there's a huge chance that he could just turn out to be a failure and, and wind up and wind up drifting away, you know. Um, in, in, into uh you know one of the bottom half of the table teams or maybe like another uh uh okay european league you know yeah i'm simply, rooting for the guy simply put i think he just needs to stand out um like on yeah. the castle side and yeah. if not um it shouldn't I, I don't be difficult think he'll have either. a future at chelsea it, sh- it really shouldn't be difficult to stand out on at, at this new Newcast- on this newcastle team right. i mean it really really shouldn't um this this question it's not on the script but I wanted to ask you just uh I think it'll be a good question which uh which other team um in the Premier League which move um scares you the most that another team made um most people are gonna go and say Aubameyang to Arsenal but I don't really see that being um too threatening um mainly because Aubameyang still um, has to get acclimated to the Premier League. Um, Wenger's still their manager. Um, 
but also because you know he has caused a lot of problems at Borussia Dortmund. So I'm not going to go ahead and say that. Um, I think Virgil Van Dyke is a good shout. I think he's going to be solid at Liverpool, but I just don't think the rest of that back line or the midfield is defensively solid enough to uh to exploit how good Van Dyke is. So I think that's going to take a couple years before we sit there and say, "Wow, what a signing that was." But if I had to pick one, uh I'll I'll give you my answer and just give you a little bit of time to think. And you might you might actually agree with, agree with me. But Tottenham getting Lucas Mora, um, yeah, that, that, that that's a good shout. That scares me a little bit. Um, Tottenham's been playing. He's they've they've been in they've been in good form lately, and um, they're only a couple points behind us. Um, they got a big win against Man United today, and um, just adding Lucas to the squad, um, it that does scare me honestly for uh you know, a top four spot. You know, the one thing I have to say about the whole Lucas scenario is like, yeah, he's a great player. And and regardless of the fact that he played in a pretty shitty league, um, he has a ton of quality that he could offer Spurs, right? Mm-hmm. And for a bargain price, he has pace to burn. He, he has tons of flair. He's great when he runs at defenders. He's extremely creative. But if you look at that Tottenham starting 11, who is he going to replace? I mean, you look at Sun as having a fantastic season. Christian Eriksen, great season. Uh, Deli Alley's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, Harry Kane is the first name on the team sheet every single time. I mean, that that pretty much takes up all your attacking options. So I don't think Lucas Mora. I think Lucas Mora, very similar to Virgil Van Dyke, um, won't. We won't see um, how good that business truly was um, until further down the line. I think if in terms of immediate impact, obviously Alexi Sanchez is the obvious one, right? But mm-hmm. I'm going to go Amaric Laporte. Um, Man City purchased him um, yeah, wow. from, Bil- from from Bilbao. This guy, <sighs> Man City. he has. Uh, I'm telling you, like he's going to be he's going to be world class. He's a very very good center half. Um, he's great at picking passes. He loves a, he loves a cross. Um, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, um, he's fast, but not quick. Um, so, so he does have a little bit of his frailties. I think it's going to take him a while for him to get acclimated to the premier league, but the way that man city play, I don't think Laporte is going to have, um, that long of a grace period before he gets completely used to it. I think that's a signing they needed because if you look at it now, you got John stones, who's still young. And you got Emmerich Laporte as your two center halves in that, Pep's system. That is a a good backline for the you know this foreseeable future. Yeah, and and you look at Man City. Look at all the players they have been purchasing under Pep: Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva. Goddamn! Like like all these guys, Kyle Walker, who's still you know in his twenties, not the youngest, but you look at uh you look at Benjamin Mendy. I mean, these are guys who are really really young and have tons of potential. Man City scares the shit out of me. They scare the fucking daylights out of me. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. And it's unfortunate because as Chelsea fans, I guess part of the frustration from the transfer business comes from the fact that we were the ones that were initially spending the big bucks. We broke the British transfer record for for uh, Fernando Torres. Like we would go out and purchase these world-class players, top-notch players. And now we're not even into running for them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's concerning in a sense, but at the same time, how hard is it to blame the club for not spending half a billion dollars in one season? 
Yeah, you know, today, today's actually the, I think it's the seven-year anniversary of uh, that Fernando Torres transfer. I uh, I got an alert on my Facebook um, saying, this. these are some statuses you posted in the past, and uh, it was 2011. I was like, Fernando Torres, let's go! <laughs> Little did oh, I know man. he'd be scoring uh one of the one of the biggest goals in in my Champions League watching career. Um but you know uh, the the funny thing is I was he didn't score many goals for us, but when he did they were huge. Yeah. Um definitely thought that would go a little bit differently, uh, given that we spent eighty million pounds pounds on him. But um that's in the past. Uh looking towards the future. Um I don't know if it looks that much better, but <laughs> Man City looks really good. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's. We only got uh, one match this week. Um, we're playing uh, against Watford um, at Watford. Um, so right now they currently sit eleventh in the table, um, but they they failed to win a, a Premier League match since uh, right around Christmas time. Um, that's three losses and two draws in the last five uh, EPL matches. And um, right now, they are tied for the second-worst defensive record, and they've allowed 44 goals this season. Um, so definitely not a strong defensive side. So, um, you know, going off of that, Zach, Zach uh, what do we need to do to win? I mean, it's simple. The last time we played Watford, Richarlison, who is probably my favorite player outside of Chelsea, um, Richarlison and Andre Gray gave us a really hard time. Um, their pace and their flair and their inventiveness and creativity and just pure raw energy um, really gave us a hard time last time. I remember Richarlison kind of had a little bit of a freer role. They played a 3-4-3 against us, and he would kind of drift um, between you know the middle of the pitch and, and the outside flanks and exploit that space between our center half and our wing back. And that's just something we got to look for. If we could contain that and contain their attack because that's what they're good at, um, we should be fine. You know, they have a really shit defense. Uh, they're actually tied for second worst defensive record in the Premier League. They allowed 44 goals this season. Um, and just to, you know, give you some perspective, Stoke has the shittiest defense in the Premier League, which we all know. One of the worst I've ever seen. Um, and they, they have 50 goals conceded this season. Watford only has 44. Mm-hmm. So they're not too far off. They're, they're, they're one blowout away from Stoke in terms of, uh, in terms of shit defenses. Hey, but, who knows? We could be that blowout. Or we could be the ones getting blown out like we did today. <laughs> yeah, spe- yeah, especially after today. Um, but, Jesus. you know, Vic- Vicarage Road isn't an easy place to play. Obviously, you know, those fans get up for the matches where they, when they play one of the big boys. I mean, they definitely get up for it. And, mm. and you know, it's almost a, it's almost a holiday for them. So... It's going to be a tough one. I expect Watford to come out and attack us right off the bat like they did last time. Um, but, you know, they are in a little dip in form. So I think this game is just perfect timing for them to go out and, and, and get a decent result. I think the only thing I really got to say about this match is for the love of God, can we please deploy a 3-4-3? I mean, we we have struggled so much with 3-5-2 as of late. Um, the fact that Antonio Conte has the nerve uh, to to play that still, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, Watford is is a very weak defense, as you as you mentioned. Um, this will be the perfect time 
for us to exploit them with a three four three, um, you know, and you know, hopefully, I mean, now that uh, Fabregas is is um, playing again and not entirely fit, um, I would like to see him back in a three four three. I know in the beginning of the season I hated seeing him in a two man uh, midfield, but maybe. Maybe this might be the match that N'Golo Conte can get some rest, and um, we can see um, Bakioko and Fabregas in that middle um, as, as in a three-four-three. Three. Wow, that's very ballsy. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that this is the type of match that we can do something like that. But I mean, you you talked about it. I I really do like Bakioko when playing in a three-four-three. Three, he just plays. He just looks like a different player. And, yeah, um, that's true. Maybe maybe he can deputize. Yeah, or or I mean, we can also see Danny Drinkwater play. I mean, maybe maybe Fabregas is it isn't time for him to get the full start, but um, you know, I I just I just really need I want to see three attacking players um up front. Um, we we need to be on the attack. I I could care less who we play as our midfield pairing as long as we go three four three. I think Giroud. Pedro and Hazard will be interesting to see how that one kind of pans out. Um, it's so weird to say that. It's so weird to say that Giroud's a Chelsea player now. Like it just. I know. I still look at him and think of all the times I wanted to smack him in the face because he's so good looking and he was an Arsenal player. Yeah, right? you don't want to smack him in the face and ruin that beautiful face. Well, he didn't get beat with the ugly stick. He got beat with the beautiful stick, right? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. But um, no. I, you know, if we're gonna dive into our predictions, because I do think it's time, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. I think it's gonna be a tight match, but I think Giroud gets a gets a debut goal, um, and I think Pedro finally gets a long overdue goal as well. I'm just gonna, in the spirit of this being our thirtieth podcast, I'm gonna predict three nil victory. Atta boy. Three nil so victory. It's, so it's not all doom and gloom after this Bournemouth loss. No, definitely not. I, I, there there are brighter pastures, my friend. I promise. I hope you. so. I hope so. We just gotta hope that Tottenham drop points against Liverpool yeah. next match. So um anyways, I mean that kind of brings us to the end of the pod. Um let us know what you guys think. Uh feel free to follow us on Twitter, um at Romans Empire Pod. Um look for us on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud on any third party podcasting app, Android or Apple. Look for us. Shout us out. Let us know what you think, even if you think we suck. Um, we have had people tell us we suck before, and uh, we were just responded, "Yeah, you're right. We actually do kind of suck." So no, they're um, wrong. No, dude, we suck. But uh, hey, if we were good, we'd be like millionaires right now. But instead, we're we're still you know in graduate school because <laughs> not millionaires. I think that's the best way to put it. Because we're smart and we know that this isn't a career path for us. But anyways, um, yeah, follow us. Let us know what you guys think. And uh, hopefully next time we talk to you, we'll uh, have three points in the bag. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high.